Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chad. Full marks, I tell you that. He's really maybe overmatched here. There's another guy, though, that'll never back away from anybody, Ron DeLorme, and he's got his hands full with one of the toughest guys in the league. All right, uh, that is Jim Robson calling the fight uh, between our next guest and Dave Simanko, as we all know, passed away a couple years ago. And uh, that's the first time I recall Ron DeLorme. Um, he also had an incredible tilt with Jamie McCowan that we'll get Brendan to uh, tweet out from our Oilers uh, now count. Um Ron DeLorme is uh, Métis and is a guy that has certainly communicated over the years in his role as uh, chief amateur scout with the Vancouver Canucks. He's invested a lot of time in the Indigenous community, and he is going to join us here in Oilers Now in about 23 seconds' time. We'll tell you that the second hour of Oilers Now is brought to you by our title sponsor, Digitex. We wish you and yours all the best during these challenging and uncertain times. Digitex.ca, Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. This is the second time I've interviewed Ron. I talked to him about five or six years ago in Penticton at the rookie tournament when we were discussing some of the Canucks prospects as we go off to our River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline. And we are pleased to be joined uh, from the Canucks scouting staff by Ron DeLorme. Ron, it's Bob. How are you doing? Very good, thank you. And getting back to the Semenko, he was probably the most formidable fighter in Nash Hockey League. <laughs> That's probably the most appropriate way to describe that man. And, uh, actually, and just to, to correct you too, I'm also I'm also uh, I, I, I I'm a status uh, free okay. from uh, the Beardies uh, Okamesa, so uh, I belong to uh, that band, which my mom's from. All right. Well, that's, you know, we're going to talk a, a bit about uh, Fred uh, Sakamus uh, today right. and, and the impact. I mean, he played for the Chicago Blackhawks in the 1950s, passed away last week in his mid-80s from complications from COVID. Uh, you obviously knew him. Uh, is there any way you can perhaps educate our listeners, uh, Ron, sort of on the, uh, on the impact of what he meant to the Indigenous community? Yes, Bob. You know, it's, it's been uh, been quite heartbreaking losing actually two 
Aboriginal icons, and one being Jim Nielsen, who used to uh, uh, who used to work for the Indian Oilers as a pro scout. Right. And then you know, and I have always said, every nationality or race had their heroes in any sport. You know, you, you look at Michael Jordan, Maradona for Argentina, Gordie Howe, Gretzky for Canada, and for First Nations people, Fred Sasakamus was our hero. And there, and again, the reasons he was a hero is. You know, a lot of people ask why. He wasn't a star. He only played maybe, what, 11 games? But for First Nation people, it wasn't about the 11 games he played. It was his pathway to the NHL, where at that time, First Nation people, First Nation people were forced to attend residential schools. And, you know, I've heard so many stories from him that were, you know, the mistreatment that he got. And it was just so much of his pathway how he got to the National Hockey League, you know, for him, why he became such a, an icon to us. And, you know, being, as we all know, Bob, you know, you know, you look at the history. In 1947, Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier in baseball. And you look at Willie O'Ree, you know, the first colored person to have played a game in 1958. And, and in 1954... Shuddy earned a place in history as the NHL's first treaty status player to skate a trail basically for a lengthy, a lengthy list of players, you know, in, including me. He made it possible for having a dream. You know, we all end up having dreams because if Freddie can make it, and I was, at, you know, for me, I was eight years old and I first, you know, laid eyes on him. My dad took me to a hockey game in North Battleford when he came back in the, in the 60s there and uh, from Chicago. And I always remember him giving me a stick. And, you know, we've been close ever since. And he's been such an inspiration to... And it's mainly Western Canada where he was so well known. The following has been unbelievable. Bob, you would not believe the response that this guy's been getting, you know, from uh, across Western Canada based on our Aboriginal hero following. We're joined right now by Ron DeLorme, who works for the Vancouver Canucks organization. He's been involved in scouting for the last 20-plus years. We're talking about the legacy of Fred Sakamus, uh, who many of you were in Edmonton a few, at Rogers Place a few years ago when uh, the Oilers played the Chicago Blackhawks and honored uh, Fred at that game. And, uh, you know, I, I can't even fathom, to be honest, uh, what you dealt with, let alone what you know, Fred must have had, because the world was in a completely different place in the 1950s when he was trying to make his way in the NHL. There must have been some unbelievable challenges along the way. Oh, it's like I said, his his whole youth was growing up in the residential school in St. Michael's, and, and my mother actually went to school with him there, and he pretty much, you know, his whole youth until he got to Moose Jaw, he, uh, he was in residential school, and, and then finally... He had an opportunity to play in Moosja, and he went to play there, and and he finally realized, you know, I can go home. I don't have, I'm not in school anymore. So I guess he apparently he told me the story. He walked miles and miles and miles, uh, uh, walking home. He was walking home, which is probably I would say uh, would be a half a day's drive. Like for Moosja, would have been at least five hours to drive uh, maybe in four hours i'm maybe exaggerating he was going to walk so apparently the 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 teacher and his coach found him walking picked him up and said listen you can uh, the coach apparently said you can stay with me for the rest of the year 
So he went on to uh, be MVP of the MVP of the Western Canadian Junior Hockey League then, and from there he went on to Chicago, and I guess his debut was in Toronto. And and again, we, and, and I always remember my dad talking about it, you know, and uh, about this Fred Sackmos making the National Hockey League and. You know, ever since then, he's been a mentor for uh, a lot of people like myself and, you know, players that uh, of Aboriginal descent that uh, went on to play. Because we, we owe so much uh, thanks to, Fr- uh, to Freddie for opening so many doors uh, for us, so many doors. And, it's, you know, again, we, you know, I look at his road, you know, even my, you know, during my road, you know, you know, you know when, when I'm reminiscing about my career, and, and again, the racist remarks that I had to endure in my career, early years, was not fun. It kind of actually made me the aggressive person that I became on the ice, trying to defend my culture and my name. And so I can't imagine what Freddie went through as a player in those days. But we certainly, certainly stuck together, talked together, to, uh, and trying to consult each other how we can help uh, Aboriginal communities on reservations. You know. And I have always said I made a push in National Hockey League for him. I made a big push to to have because uh, everywhere I went, you know. And again, I've been uh, involved 44 years in NHL and, and 38 here in Vancouver and 34 as a scout. Everywhere I went, I ran into Willie O'Ree representing the National Hockey League. For some of the things he did, he did a lot of uh, they, you know, uh, a lot of things regarding inner city kids, you know, in the cities of uh, U.S. Yep. Well, so I told the National Hockey League, I said, listen. We have our first Aboriginal person that played 1954 is still alive. Like, I mean, you, you have to understand, you know, the path he went to was very difficult. That might be different from William Reed, but I says, what he does is similar to William Reed, but we call it outer city. You know, he, he helped outer city kids, which means the reservations and the communities in the north and wherever you want to call. He did that. So Fred did start getting recognized all over and we also honored him here uh i think it was last year you know for it was indigenous uh day here and we flew him out here and because he was starting to get recognized for doing similar things as willie Ree. great stuff ron delorme joins us right now you mentioned jim nielsen played with the new york rangers forever uh finished actually finished his career in edmonton the last year of the wha was in 1978 79 and then it ended up on slats staff as you know for a number of years as a pro <laughs> scout i mean he played over a thousand games in the national Hockey i know i know 17 years you know he had an amazing career Oh, unbelievable career. And one of the more, I'm sure you guys are aware, of the more, one of the more famous stories <laughs> that came out of it when Slats was his boss. You know, I guess, I, I don't know, uh, I, the story was uh, Red Fisher was hounding Glenn Taylor for a picture that, I guess, uh, Glenn Taylor promised a, uh, an Indian painting. And, and he promised an Indian painting. So I guess... Red Fisher, I think it's Red Fisher. I kept hounding, hounding, say they're so funny. He said, okay, I'll get you an Indian painting. So I guess he had uh, he had uh, Jim Nielsen climb a ladder at a barn, a big yep. barn, and he had Jim Nielsen painting the barn. He <laughs> took a picture and sent it to him. Here's your Indian painting. <laughs> that was, it's a funny, it's a great story. It's a story that you can go on and tell, but you know, we laughed about it. I, I, we laughed about it, Jim and I, because when he was scouting as a pro, 
you know, I got to see him, talk to him, and we, we also did some stuff together because uh, uh, his daughter was living here, so I got a, a chance to meet up with him a lot, quite quite often. We're joined right now by Ron DeLorme, who's with the Canucks organization. Ron, we, we, we ran that Semenko fight. The funny thing is, I, I, I'm going to date myself a bit, but I actually did see a play in junior when you were with Lethbridge, and you could score. Like, you know, and maybe and that shouldn't be a surprise to our listeners. Like, guys that can score in juniors at 19, 18 and 19 sometimes have to fight at the next level to secure full-time employment. You mentioned you mentioned that some of the racism you dealt with, uh, you know, you use that as a spark. I mean, you're you're not a small man. You weren't huge like Semenko was relative or no. Ben Wilson. You weren't the size of Ben Wilson or Dave Semenko, but you were sort no. of that light heavyweight. Uh, at what point did you start to get pretty good at it? You know, in terms well, of you know, it was in Surf Current, and this is uh, when I joined Surf Current. I end up playing with uh, you. Would, you would know through the World Hockey Days too. When I joined Surf Current, they put me on the line with Dave Tiger Williams and Terry Skowski. Well, playing on that line, you you, learn, you pretty much learn how to fight because you know, if one was fighting, the other would fight. So, well, I better get into it too. And it was just, it was just nonstop like that. So I got to learn to do that, but uh, I learned to play that way, you know, based on uh, joining uh, that line. But, you know, it was always... Uh, it was always something that you know. It was always difficult to go and ring sometimes, you know, where you know the the, the racial calls, you know, you know, wagon burner, whatever. And only because obviously I must have done something to make an impact for people that dislike me. Because yes, I did score goals, and I've had, you know, even in the National Hockey League, more the people, more people remember remember my fights. And I I've had a twenty goal season. Yeah. And the following year, I had a nineteen goal season with four to three points for Don Cherry. So, I, you know, I've had, uh, you know, in my National Hockey League, uh, career, I've had 83 goals, 83 assists. So I'm proud of that because, you know, it, it was, and I didn't have a lot of penalty minutes. There was certainly not for two minutes. There were ma- pretty much all major, major uh, five minutes for fighting. But, you know, it, in those days too, Bob, you know, most, and if not a lot of Native boys who went on to play national hockey was basically the same way as I played the, the genealogics, you know, went on and on. There was all like the uh, Sandy McCarthy's to, you know, that was sort of a way out for us, you know, and that was, and at that time we were, uh, you know, there was, who, who, was the, who was the, who was the, who was the kid in Lethbridge? Uh, he played, I think for what was it? DJ King. I'm, I'm just thinking it was yeah, another, DJ King. And he, he was, was tough. Boy. He was another he was tough, tough kid. Yeah. He played and went on to St. Louis, had a, yeah. a good fighting career there. Then his brother, his brother, who went to L.A., won the, uh, the Stanley Cup, played kind of center, but he was more of the player of the two brothers. But if you look at the whole, you know, Stan Jonathan, you just look at how many Native boys went on to play playing that way, it was just because of the fact that, you know, that was one way we all thought was a way to get into this thing, you know, to, to get in. Because a lot of these guys didn't see Freddie Sackmus, they, they, but they were all thankful for what he did in terms of opening the doors and paving the way for us. But, you know, again, we were all like, even the genealogics, you know, the way he played, you know, there's a lot of, he's a big, big, huge fan because of the way he played and he had time for people. That's why Gino's so popular. That guy has time for people, just like Fred Sasakmus did. Fred Sasakmus had so much time for people, and mostly it was, again, for youth, people, you know, kids that were so 
Thank you, Fred Sasak, was that they heard so much about this guy. Well, you know, I can verify that. He he was revered by our Aboriginal people. He was. I can't, again, I can't fathom what Fred went through or what you went through or, or any of the Indigenous players that literally had to fight their way into the NHL, but can you take any solace if I if I told you this? It's my belief that Ethan Bear is probably one of the two or three most popular players in the Edmonton Oilers. I have a friend who's got a uh, memorabilia company and a, you know, an autograph company, and it's a prominent one here in Edmonton. It's called Pro-Am Sports. And Ethan Bear uh, did a jersey that was dedicated to his indigenous community, and it sold off the charts. Like, he is beloved in Edmonton. And one of the most popular players. Yeah. What did you think of that? Oh, I thought it was incredible. I, I thought I was proud for like my whole family were so proud that he was proud enough for him to do that, you know, and and you know what? And I can see now why he's so popular because he's similar to genealogic you know, like they they're on the same path, you know, he's this kid is popular. But you know the kid can play hockey, and I'm proud of him for that. But you know, for him to do that, for him to do that, makes me very proud of that of that boy. You know, for what he's done, because you know what, he's proud of who he is. Yeah, well, you know, he, he obviously has got skill and ability. He could run a power play in junior. You knew that. And, oh, by the way, uh, when it came time to drop the gloves with Matthew Kachuk, and you're with the Canucks organization, so you of all people can, that, that did nothing but further, uh, you know, his level of popularity in Edmonton, I can tell you that. So, no, it's a, it's a, it's a great, and it's going to be great watching Ethan's uh, career development. And I, I just wish for his sense, you'll, you'll laugh at this, uh, I just wish for his sense that he had arbitration rights this year, but he doesn't. So he's going to have to wait a year to get to get paid. Oh but, yes, yes, yes. He's just uh, he still has that first, is under that first contract. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, yes, great, yes. great stuff. Uh, just, just again, uh, Ron. Uh, if, if you could, if you could educate our listeners that don't know a lot about uh, about Fred and the impact that Fred Sasakamus had, truly uh, a, a special person in terms of the Indigenous community in Canada and and, and part of Canadian history, isn't he? Oh, yes, for sure. You know, I look at the values, the discipline, and the respect for others taught me by, by Fred was reinforced in hockey. And, and, and most important, at every level of a part of the game. And this is what Fred has done. And, 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 and not necessarily NHL players or American hockey players, just for kids in general who are playing hockey in their communities across Western Canada. He's, he's done so much. He's done so much for for making us proud of this man and why you know, I have no problem uh, speaking about this man because he made, he's made me proud of who he was and what he did and what he's done for me. Great stuff, Ron. We appreciate your time. We'll touch base down the road. Okay, thank you, Bob. I appreciate you giving me the time to talk about my hero. All right, super. That is Ron DeLorme, longtime NHL scout, uh, pound for pound. Tough as we didn't even talk about the the playoffs. Some of you who are Canucks fans might remember this when the Oilers got eliminated by LA back in '82, uh, which will be tying into some. Uh, I can't do that. Yeah, <laughs> I can't do that. Uh, anyhow, uh, look. Uh, bottom line: uh, Vancouver played Chicago that year in the Campbell Conference Final, en route to was that eighty. 80- yeah, that was 82, uh, on route to Vancouver, making it to the Stanley Cup final before they lost to the New York Islanders. They had an afternoon game in Chicago, and they just threw down 
all game long. And Ron DeLorme was uh, front and center with Mulvey. You know, if it was Chicago, it must have been Grant Mulvey. Paul Mulvey was actually the tougher of the two Mulveys, but didn't want to fight for Don Perry one day with the L.A. Kings. And that is... Um, Ron DeLorean, longtime NHLer, played over 500 games in the league. Uh, this text comes in. Hey, Bob, in 1958 or 59, I saw Fred play for a Saskatchewan hockey team playing in the Northeastern Hockey League in St. Paul, Alberta. He was way above everyone else, but what stood out was after the game, he visited with young uh, fans, a lot of which were Aboriginal kids. So that text comes into us from Andrew. So there you go. Uh, you can text us at any time at 780-496-0063. So much to get to on today's edition of Oilers Now, but one of the fun parts coming up right now. Uh, we, when we come back, yeah, we'll get to it right now. We can get to it. It's 125 in Edmonton. Um, you cannot text us the right answer. You have to call in. 780-496-0063. Name the first team in the season that scored over 400 goals in an NHL year. This is Oilers Now trivia for a $50 gaming credit to Greta Barr. We will tell you that uh, Greta Barr, Greta Global Street Food, Greta Barr Eat, Drink, and play and uh brendan uh hmm, how should i do this because i haven't told you the answer yet that that would help eh uh it's actually pretty easy that's all i'm gonna say brendan check your text messages it's there right now name the first team in the season that saw an nhl club score 400 goals plus in a year Quite easy, actually. Uh, that is our Greta Global Street Food trivia question. Greta Bar, eat, drink, and play. Up for grabs a $50 gaming credit to Greta Bar. There's an old saying in the car business, cars cost less than Wetaskiwin, but outstanding customer service is a key to business as well. Brent Ridgeford is a nine. I really got to do these questions before we have the guests on the show. Uh, Brent Ridgeford is a nine-time President's Diamond Award winner for customer satisfaction. They'll provide you with an outstanding service at the time of the purchase, and they'll continue that standard of service after the sale as well. So let Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny, and the gang at Brent Ridge Ford lend a hand by calling 1-877-477-3673 or visit BrentRidge.com. We will head off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell and come back with the uh, mega talented dynamo himself reed wilkins from inside sports and oh yeah we'll have the uh, trivia answer for you as well when we return in orders now oilers now with bob stoffer weekdays at noon on oilers radio 630 chad